Hey, is this thing on? Are we recording? Can I get a tech person? Oh, for the love of ed tech. If you're tasked with managing hundreds or thousands of student Chromebooks, you'll want to check out our sponsor, Visor. Visor is a Chromebook and IT asset management software solution designed specifically for school districts. To find out how Visor can help your school manage Chromebooks and get 20% off, go to visor.cloud slash loveedtech. That's V-I-Z-O-R dot cloud slash loveedtech. Or click the link in the show notes. Thanks, Visor. Really excited because our sponsors from Visor are joining us today for this episode. So, Dean and Jeff, thank you so much for being our sponsors as well as talking to us today. Yeah, no, no, thanks for having us. Yeah, pleasure to be here. Dean takes care of the sponsorship side, so I'll just go ahead and say you're welcome for being here. <laughs> and thank you for having us. Yeah. Awesome. I really appreciate the opportunity. Yeah, we're excited to hear your perspective on things. So for our listeners, can you explain a little bit about what Visor is and then tell us how you got involved in education? Yeah, sure. So Visor is a software solution and it helps schools and districts manage their IT assets. And we really focus on Chromebooks. What Visor does at a high level is let them know what devices they have, who's got them, where they are, and then purchase information. So how much did they pay for all of them or how were they funded? And like general then warranty information as an example in terms of that. Life cycle comes in as well. So how many are in use? How many are out for repair? How many are retired? But yeah, on a high level, making it easier for schools and districts to manage those IT assets. So how did I get into sort of working in education? I guess it was probably around sort of 2009 when I was full-time sort of in that intersection between education and IT, working for a company called Pearson, which certainly in the UK is a massive company. I spent a lot of time talking to teachers, moderators, and trying to find out what they wanted in terms of what their needs were and relaying that to the tech side of the organization there. I think in the last 10 years, there's been this sort of transformation in terms of tech in schools and districts. It's kind of crazy that 10 years ago, Chromebooks were in their infancy. I I don't think we had Google Classroom or anything like that. So what we saw is more schools coming to us looking for a tool to manage that infrastructure. And so we worked with a few accounts to really take a tool which applied to all kinds of industries Mm -hmm. and how we sort of focused in on education and what the problems were for education, well, the challenges, the problems, I guess, and what we could do to help. So, yeah, we kind of, like, in many ways, I feel sort of grown with schools and districts in terms of how they've had more technology. Yeah, I think that's Uh, a good way to put it in terms of growing with the districts and the schools. As Dean just mentioned, we had, we've always had schools and districts on our client list with the advent and, you know, rapid, I guess, adoption of the Chromebook devices in the schools and the districts. There was kind of a gap that was identified there in that there was no IT asset management solution that was focused specifically on the education space. And so I think interesting for your listeners is that most of the people that we were speaking to in those early days were educators who were identifying this gap and trying to sort of, you know, as a hobby, I guess is probably the best way I can put it, sort of work into technology and how can I adopt technology? How can I start using technology to help our school mm-hmm. and our district and our teachers and our, our students 
really be able to leverage this technology, start using it and really get the benefits out of it. Some of those clients started discussing it with us and as their IT asset management team and really, again, identifying together that gap. And so we started working with one specific district that was looking at how do we check these Chromebooks out? How do we manage these Chromebooks? And they started using a library system to do so, which which was kind of okay because that was, you know, what they had and what they were doing for books. So let's just treat these Chromebooks the same. But as I think all your listeners will know, they're not the same. So we started working with that particular district and that's kind of how this story unfolded. The transition, I think, from enterprise to education. And then for the better part now of the last mm-hmm. 10 years, as Dean said, well, certainly with, with the pandemic, that's when things started going just all over the map, right? In terms of we got to get, you yeah. know, we got 20,000 students, each one of them need a Chromebook tomorrow, you know, on March 20th <laughs> or whatever it was, like everybody yeah. needs one tomorrow. And now, you know, we've got these funding sources, government's giving us money, we buy the Chromebooks, we give them to the students as quickly as we can. They're with the students. Now, what do we do? Right. And so that's kind of where we stepped in. We started working with technologists that were inside of the education space and giving them our expertise, bringing over essentially the enterprise space expertise and just laying it on top of an education focused platform, which is what Visor has evolved into now. It's amazing and super fun to work inside of a space where people are really appreciating what you're bringing to the table. And so people that I speak with every day. Again, a lot of them come from a background of education, so they're not sort of background technologists, right? Like with decades Mm -hmm. of experience in terms of adopting technology and using it. So being able to fill that spot for them so that they can go back to optimizing their scenario, but the teachers being able to teach and the students being able to learn through technology, I think is really what is exciting about working in this space as compared to the enterprise space where it's like, I want that in blue and I want it, you know, this way and it's got to be tomorrow (laughs) and and, yeah. and that's the way I expect it. And so that's the way you're going to get it to me. Yeah. Educators are not like that at all. They're like, can you help? We just want it to work. Exactly. Yeah. 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 That's exactly it. If it works, <laughs> you, you, you know, the bar is a little bit lower, but that's a good thing because yeah. that, 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 that sets you up for success. Just not just us as vendors right. and suppliers of technology, but, but the technologists themselves and the schools and the districts. And, and again, right down to the most mm-hmm. important people that we're talking about here. And that's the students. And there's no technical bias in terms of what they're looking for. It's just, right, we need this to work. We need to know who's got these devices. What are these middle right. schoolers doing with this Chromebook? Right, How yeah. did it get in this state? Yeah. Do you notice that you have a lot of investigative type issues where you are exploring reasons why middle schoolers' computers are in that state we were at an event in michigan and we was talking to some educators there and they was giving us these stories in terms of all kinds of crazy things which they were doing to their chromebooks and i don't know why it happens at that particular age but we we for sure see the amount of repairs going up at particular grade levels I think it's the merging I think one of, of the... curiosity and skill set. <laughs> That's what's happening. Yeah, there. yeah, yeah. <laughs> one of the things that I think it also accounts for it is that particular grade levels, schools and districts tend to go from classroom one-to-one to take-home uh, one-to-one. So yeah. all of yes. a sudden, these devices are leaving the school, they're on the bus, they're you know, hitting milkshakes and siblings and all of those kind of things. So I yeah. think that may have mm-hmm. something to do with it. But yeah, I guess that certainly doesn't account for some of the stories which we hear. <laughs> I taught I middle only school, imagine. so I can imagine. <laughs> <laughs> I know you said you work through the life cycle piece. Mm-hmm. So do you help schools come up with a plan or do you just help them monitor the life cycles of the device? We help them sort of manage that life cycle process. So a lot okay. of the conversations Jeff and I have is of determining what processes they have in place today. 
and scientified areas where that process can be optimized, which is something which is overlooked, actually, when schools get Chromebooks, it's all like really exciting, brand new tech. Yeah. So sort of thinking about, well, how are we going to get rid of these in five years time isn't top of mind. But what we try and look at is that complete life cycle. So from the purchasing, well, how are we going to acquire them right through to repairs to end of life scenarios? Well, how are we going to determine that the devices are end of life? Is it after they've had so many repairs? Is it when the AUE date is coming up? So this is a, a sort of an expiry date on Chromebooks when they no longer receive updates. And then what are we going to do with the devices? Are we going to donate them to the families? In which case, then what processes do we need for that? So what we tend to do is sort of talk to schools, try and find out what processes they have today, how they're managing that, and what a tool advisor can do to help automate that. We're trying to do is reduce the workload for the district overall. So if a Chromebook is lost, then you may have this policy internally, well, we're going to disable the Chromebook. We may need to sort of issue a, a fee or a fine to to the family. Advisor can help automate that process to the point that the actual family can say, well, we've lost the device. And then in the background, we will disable that device and then send them an email confirming it's disabled and let them know where they can pick up a, a replacement Chromebook and if there's any costs associated with it. So in terms of that life cycle, it's looking to see what's in place at the moment and then leveraging the processes to automate that life cycle where we can. One of the things that we saw during that adoption process, that transition from enterprise to education, was a lack of time for districts to really define process, to sit down and say, this is what my process is going yes. to be. So we do find ourselves in very much a consulting role very often, and we're able to sort of leverage the processes that have been applied in other you know, districts who have successfully implemented a solution for management of their Chromebooks, including those processes. So we do find ourselves doing that a lot. So it's, you know, listeners shouldn't worry about, I don't have any process, so I can't use this to manage a process that I don't have. We bring a lot of that to the table. Which I think is great. You usually have two scenarios. You either have like a really well-staffed, like yeah. tech team, mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. it's like one lone ranger trying it's to so survive, you know? And yeah. so, or it's Absolutely. a teacher. Yeah. They're just like, oh, you're good at tech here. Manage this in addition to your teaching. Yeah. That happens lots. There's people that come to us, though, with all levels of process in mind. Like even in the case Mm -hmm. that you're talking about, a teacher, they might have, Mm -hmm. because they've got this sort of innate skill set, right, with technology and they're able to kind of mentally dig through technology and how can I apply this? So they've got a sense of process for themselves already and what would work best Mm -hmm. in their school or in their district. So that's great. And having that is a wonderful start for sure. And then we've got sort of others who have a really well-defined process that's in place, but they just don't like the tools that they're using to support that process. And then we have people who have absolutely, I've got a post-it note and I know yeah. I've got 20,000 you know, <laughs> students and each one of them have at least one device, but that's about oh what I know and I don't know what to do from here. So help. So yeah, that whole spectrum is kind of covered by the people that we work with, which again is a lot of fun because it's always different yeah. and it's, it's always a challenge, but like a super fun challenge. And when you have a a tool mm-hmm. that can help. And I'm not just talking about myself here. I'm talking about anybody who's got this type of service or product to offer a district. You really feel like you're doing something great by working with them and figuring out what works best and how do we make this the best scenario for you. Yeah. I okay. think initially one of the neat things we see within schools compared to, say, enterprise is, is that staffing ratio on the technical side. When we first started really working with schools then in terms of how lean that technical resource was. So in a in an enterprise, you would have maybe 
one tech for maybe 10 employees, for example. And within education, you've, you've got one tech and I don't know how many students are, hundred thousands students. I can't think of any other industry where you have hundreds or thousands of students all starting on one day, needing a device ready to go. Like it's not like you get that kind of recruitment happening, like in the largest organizations where you get a thousand new employees on one day needing a yeah. device, working and going there. So what can we do to service the education space to reduce that workload and, and make their lives easier? So if you're an enterprise and you've got 10 different companies, typically those 10 different companies follow the same processes. In the education space, it's not like that at all. So decentralized insofar as a district having, let's say, 10 schools, Oftentimes, each of those 10 schools have their own methodology, their own way of working. Mm -hmm. And then they have technologists, again, like we talked about before, coming from an education background and sort of applying the best that they can do, which always makes sense for them in their environment. But it's inevitably going to be different than, you know, school A is going to be different from school B and school C. So if you're the tech, if you're the tech coordinator at district at Central, you're trying to put all of this together. And it's a very difficult thing to do, right? Without a centralized mm -hmm. management system to compile that for you, you're, you know, you're pulling from different areas. You're hoping that the tech coordinator or the, you know, the tech person at school A has completed their tasks. So that's definitely a, a unique challenge, I think, in the, in the education space as well. The kind of long and the short of it is if you can apply a process to that and a central repository for all that information and give those individual schools and individual tech people the tools that they need to input the data quickly, even in an automated way, so that you take all the guesswork out, you take all of the reliance on people's time, the ability to do those things, you just give them an automated way to do that, then you're benefiting from a uniform set of data that you can then use to make global decisions as it relates to your district, which is exactly what solutions like Visor <laughs> provide. And yeah. That yeah. And that's going to lead into my next question is that Google provides Chromebook management. So how is Visor different? Yeah. So Google have a, what they call Google Admin and mm -hmm. Google Admin is great for what it does managing those devices, the OUs, the policies, but it's not an asset management tool. It's like Firstly, it's just through Chromebooks, where Visor, you can have your Chromebooks next to your iPads, your projectors, your smart boards, but then all the information surrounding those devices as well. So purchase information, warranty information, funding, integrating with your student information system. So you're not having to duplicate that data. And Jeff alluded to this earlier is having a layer over the Google admin console as well. So as an example, when a family says, well, we've lost this device, then they're in a, a form, it's all controlled, but when they press submit, then we disable that device within the Google Admin Console. So obviously the family's not going into the Google Admin Console, but they're, we're putting a layer on top of that. And where we mentioned before around like teachers checking in and out of devices or even students doing that, then we can have influence on the Google Admin Console with this friendly layer on top. So moving devices into correct organizational units or applying policies to those Chromebooks. So it helps to sort of obfuscate some of that like technical oh. side of things which are in the Google Analytics console and focus on those processes. Yeah, it's definitely not a replacement. It's just a, for the Google Admin console. It's just kind of a, a more user-friendly interface for the main tasks that often take up a lot of time. One of my the, one of my favorite examples is, you know, anytime I speak to a district and we start talking about how many Chromebooks they have. And well, that's why I'm talking to you, Jeff, because I don't know how many Chromebooks I know. I know how many <laughs> students I have, but I've got a ton. And I know what Google is telling me, but 
it's a difficult animal to work with. Whereas with Visor, you'd be able to say, show me all of the Chromebooks that are in the Google Admin Console but haven't been logged into in the last three months. Because that's going to give you a list of Chromebooks that you you know are either lost, stolen, or somehow not in use. Maybe they're in inventory, they're somewhere else, they're not in students' hands because nobody's logging into them. Then yeah. you can isolate those and bulk update them. In other words, take all of those and move them to a, an inactive OU and then deal with them that way. Whereas mm-hmm. in Google Admin Console, you just don't have that capability. Dean mentioned another one in terms of you know parents being involved, but there's a parents and families being involved in a process and affecting change inside of the Google Admin Console without ever even knowing what the Google Admin Console is. But the same can be said for librarians and teachers and media specialists where they can actually grab a, a Chromebook, scan it, scan the asset tag, scan the student ID, and then click checkout and hand it to the student and off the student goes. That's it. They're now affecting the Google Admin Console because of all of the integrations inside of Visor that will take that Chromebook and move it to the appropriate OU in the Google Admin Console. So if that student that just walked mm-hmm. away with the Chromebook is in grade 10, the Chromebook moves from inventory and an OU, of, like an inventory OU, and right into the grade 10 OU or whatever the organizational structure is of the Google Admin Console, it'll place, Visor will place it automatically in the right OU. So that's allowing a media specialist in this case or a librarian or whomever to be able to update and essentially administer the Google Admin Console, again, without ever knowing what it is. Yeah. So it's, I mean, essentially streamlining yeah. everything to make it more friendly. And yeah. for those people that don't know, what is what does OU stand for? We use lots of acronyms. Oh, that... it's an organizational unit. So this is just okay. a, a structure within the Google Admin Console. It's essentially like a, a, a tree or Active Directory OU, same idea. Like this, you know, you place people or objects inside of a specific space. And that space, mm-hmm. that organizational unit or OU, has a set of processes included. So if you move Mm -hmm. a Chromebook device from one organizational unit inventory to another, grade 10, well, that applies all of the restrictions that the technical director has placed on that grade 10 OU. So we talked about middle schools versus, you know, middle school versus high school versus, you know, the the real little kiddos. They (laughs) all have different attributes in terms of the OU that the Chromebook device that they have in their hands has. So if that OU is in, say, grade two, that is going to be a very locked down organizational unit with lots of security protocols and lots of structure in place to prevent that student from accessing all sorts of things. So that's one. And then the grade, you know, the grade 11 OU is going to have a wider set, a wider scope or a different set of processes included in there. There's another one that we talked about recently um, called the penalty box OU. (laughs) So, (laughs) you know, there was a tech coordinator that was describing the use of Chromebooks as a privilege, not a right. And so any student that abuses that privilege, as long as you communicate that to the students, this is what we're doing, These are, this is your privilege. But if you abuse this privilege, we're going to pull back on that. We're going to place you in what we call the penalty box. And that penalty box OU is just to simply restrict it so they can't access certain sites that they would otherwise very much want to access. So that's what an OU is, essentially. We use a lot of acronyms and we don't think about it because we're in education and like our producer who is not in education, she's always like, well, it was very interesting, but I have no idea what it stands for. And I'm yeah. like, oh, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I didn't think to ask because. Because you hear it all the time. Yeah, yeah. you're right. Yeah. You so, can't make those assumptions for sure. So thank you for asking yeah. the question. Yeah. And that was a very non to I'm not, I'm like super not technical at all. So <laughs> these are, I'm the right person <laughs> to ask only because you're at, the answer is going to be sort of a non, non-technical answer. Cool. Yeah. yeah. Perfect. So Perfect. 
the other thing is there is a financial component in the first, let's say, academic year that you're using the solution. You get to a point where you can start building analytics in terms of where am I spending most of my time, let's say, for example, on repairs so that you can start focusing on what do I need to do better here? Like if all of the repairs are like 30% of my repairs are coming from this school, then I need to put something in place that suggests that school improve the process by which they communicate the proper care for Chromebooks for those students or they're accessing something that they shouldn't, or you get to start building these analytics. Or another one, just in terms mm. of budgeting and contract negotiation, would be this vendor's Chromebooks, this model of this vendor is the one that's responsible for the most repairs. I'm missing the most keys. These screens are cracking easier than other screens. I need to either negotiate with this vendor or you know, I need to identify a new model or perhaps switch manufacturer of, of, of Chromebooks. This is a big topic right now because of where we are in the life cycle of you know, from the pandemic is lots of auditing is taking place. What did you do with the funds that we gave you three years ago? Where are those Chromebooks? Mm. And so with Visor, you have the ability to pick out very quickly the Chromebooks that were purchased with a very specific funding source and identify through reporting exactly how many of those Chromebooks are still in circulation, how many were lost, how many stolen, what was the repair history, who had them. So all of this information is available there. So there is a financial component beyond the technical component. There's a, a significant financial component involved with these types of solutions as well that districts can start to benefit from. And I don't think it's unimportant to sort of mention that districts can save themselves money through mm-hmm. getting a handle on the management of those devices and being able to leverage that information so that they can uh, essentially be in a stronger position when making management decisions uh, associated with those devices. Well, and I think that's great to mention because it's all information. I think so too. And a lot of people just don't sort of think that way. Like they they Mm. may not realize that kind of in an introduction type conversation, but it it really helps with, because a lot of the things is this sounds, and this we get all the time, right? At conferences, we're talking to teachers and, and technology. That all sounds great. I get it. I see what this would do for my district but I just don't have the funds for that. Or I don't know how I'm going to convince my super that this is, or my business administrator, that this is something that, you know, we need to purchase. There was a district no, that I was no. just talking about and they were saying, so yeah, we lost thousands of Chromebooks last year. Like what? thousands with an S on it. I'm like, these Chromebooks are like a hundred, 200, $300 each. And that was it. We lost thousands. And, and this is a pretty big district. Like I'm not going to, it's not every district that's going to lose thousands, but that alone, like the, the cost of a solution to manage those and prevent that and to a very large extent prevent those Chromebooks from being lost or stolen um, would save way more like 10x what the cost of those solutions are so it's a very easy story so any of your listeners who are thinking well I'm never (laughs) going to get that approved there's a very easy and strong compelling story for the people that are essentially deciding where they're going to allocate their budgets for next year yeah yeah oh my gosh I can't even imagine yeah in Virginia, lost 1,800 Chromebooks and that's like half a million dollars worth of devices. And, and I think we was talking to like a much smaller school and I think they'd lost around 60 devices, but it was still $20,000 worth of devices. Which... Yeah, that is crazy. I mean, especially because funding isn't always mm-hmm. abundant. Yeah, right. no, exactly. Okay, do you guys have feelings on letting students use like the Chromebooks to dissect, say, Mm -hmm, like they're going to be taken out of circulation, Mm -hmm. give the actual device to a student in order to take it apart to like learn or learn how to fix or... Dissect in the literal sense. Yeah. Yeah. That's really... We had actually a school which we were talking to and they had a recycling program 
where they did mm-hmm. exactly that, where they t- took the Chromebooks apart and then built, say that the screen was broken on one and the keyboards, and they had this program where they would build new Chromebooks. And uh, oh, cool. I don't know if they were selling the Chromebooks afterwards into the community, but there was this whole recycling program. And in, in fact, I'm, I'm relatively sure this was a district in Ohio. It may have been at a conference recently where we uh, mm-hmm. had the conversation with them. It was like, and it was this, it sounded like a real cool project in terms of hands-on, getting in yeah. there and using the devices. Yeah, they made it a competition in the district. And, um, That's it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was in Ohio. Dean. Oh, exactly cool. Right. Yeah, they made it. And I remember the tech coordinator describing it and her eyes were like lit up and she was talking about yeah. how enthusiastic the kids were about it and how involved they got. And it actually wound up raising money for the community. So, and putting Chromebooks in hands of, of students who wouldn't otherwise have access to them. And I think it was other mm-hmm. districts, but certainly like underserviced within that same community. So it was a real success story and it was very, very cool. I know yeah. there's a district who has students that are trained to help with break fix kind mm-hmm. of things. And that would be a great way to kind of do that as introduce them in that way. I, I think it, I think it's valuable. If you can recruit kids to help you with whatever <laughs> to get anything mm-hmm. off your plate. I think that's great. But I have heard that before, certainly kids on the first level of diagnostics testing. So if Chromebooks mm-hmm. come back in, so tested battery and check the screen and check the keyboard. So yeah, no, I think that's, I don't see any downside there whatsoever. In fact, you know, building future tech coordinators and technologists for districts, yeah. I think is super valuable. Absolutely. We're okay. certainly seeing a lot of districts at the end of the life cycle where they're handing those Chromebooks to the students and, hey, just mm. keep those devices. Yeah. So Because they're, they're coming to us with, oh, how can we automate that process, provision them from Google Admin, like even have some kind of sign-off email, say, hey, this is, you know, this is all yours now. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> so where can people find out more about Visor? So if you go to visor.cloud and we've got a special URL, so slash love edtech and uh, there's lots of information on there and a little discount for listeners as well we'll be happy to show you a demo and there's lots of resources videos uh, screenshots and things like that on there yeah so check out visor yeah if nothing else we get to have a real fun conversation it absolutely is not always a fit but we know lots about the industry and lots of different products that might be better fits and we're super happy to talk about those with the clients individually so yeah, feel free to reach out and let us know what's going on in your world and we'll see if we can help. Yeah, that's awesome. Awesome. Thank you guys so much and thank you again for being our sponsor. We really appreciate yes. it. Yeah, it was cool. great to meet Thanks you. Thanks for the content. Yeah, yeah it was great. It was yeah. nice to meet you guys as yeah. well. That was a lot of fun. Thanks for listening to our For the Love of EdTech podcast. We hope you enjoyed our conversation today and learned something that you can use with your own students. You can find the show notes, resources, and more at www.fortheloveofedtech.org. For Love of EdTech is produced by SOIDA, the Southwestern Ohio Instructional Technology Association, in partnership with ThinkTV and CET, the local PBS stations in Dayton and Cincinnati.